so much of fear is about momentum. It's about movement. It's about forward motion. Uh, and it's about, I think, to a certain degree, not overthinking things, right? I think a lot of times we're afraid because we've thought too much about something as opposed to uh, not thinking enough about it. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to an episode of the Mind Valley podcast. Now, I'm always excited about my guests, but today's guest, I'm really excited about. His name is Ryan Holiday. And if you haven't heard of the name Ryan Holiday, you probably have been living under a rock because Ryan has sold over 4 million books. His books have spent over 300 weeks on the bestsellers list. And he is one of the greatest philosophers of the modern era. Today, we're going to be talking about courage, which is such an important topic given everything happening in the world today. And in particular, we're going to be talking about Ryan's latest book, Courage is Calling, How Fortune Favors the Brave. I'm reading it right now. And it's one of those books that really gets you to think about the world in a unique way, but it's also so entertainingly written. It's, it's as much fun and, and relaxing as curling up in front of the fireplace and watching Netflix. So strongly recommend you guys check it out. The book is called Courage is Calling. And here's a really fascinating a fascinating topic on this book, okay? So I just got a message from Allison, my head of PR, and, and Allison said, Vishen, you got to share, you got to share this little fact about the book. Amazon's editorial team just dropped its 2021 best books list, and Courage is Calling was named the number one business and leadership book, yes, on Amazon. That is how good, how gorgeously beautiful this book is. And it came out really recently, just in September. So let me give you a quick idea of who Ryan is, if you haven't heard of him, so we can get started with the topic of this interview. Now, Ryan Holiday is the poster boy for Stoicism. He, is, he has written a number of key books, including Stillness is the Key, Courage is Calling is his latest book. He practices what he preaches. Uh, I've been following this man, not just because of his writing, but because of what he shares on Instagram, his value system, uh, the way he approaches uh, the world, um, the way he stands up for what he believes. My last Instagram post on Ryan was, I love this man as much for his writing as for his values. And you'll kind of see that as, as you hear Ryan speak. We're going to be discussing some really controversial topics today, and you will see how Ryan is so so clear in who he is, what he stands for, what he believes, and what he's about to do for the world. So firstly, um, I want you to make a mental note to pick up the book, Courage is Calling. And I also want you to check out Ryan's Instagram. Um, two Instagrams worth checking out. One is called The Daily Stoic. It has over a million followers. And the other one is Ryan Holiday. So The Daily Stoic is spelled D-A-I-L-Y-S-D-O-I-C. Ryan Holiday is just Ryan Holiday. Uh, check them both out, both amazing Instagrams. I love uh, staying in touch with this man. And now let's get started with our interview. Ryan, welcome to Mind Valley. That was about the nicest and most generous introduction I think I've ever gotten in my life. So thank you. <laughs> so firstly, where, where are you right now? Are you in Bastrop? I'm, I'm, I'm in my farm, which is in Bastrop County, right outside Austin, Texas. 
By the way, before we get started with the book, tell us about what you're doing in Bastrop because that story is so fascinating on its own. I moved to Texas about seven years ago. So, so we, we moved out to the country. It's a quieter life. Uh, it's, a, I think, a life more conducive to writing. And then uh, about two years ago, we made this decision. I, I was sort of commuting into Austin. That's where I, would, uh, I had an office. And my wife and I decided we wanted to do something a bit more community-minded, uh, something a uh, bit more in, in terms of having a home base. And so we bought this small building uh, on, on what's called Historic Main Street in this, in this little town of about 8,000 people. And I opened a bookstore there. It, it opened in January 2021. Uh, obviously, the pandemic made it all a bit crazier and threw a wrench in some of the plans. But we opened this, this small town bookstore. I use it to shoot YouTube videos and record podcasts, although I'm at my house today. And uh, it's it just been, become like a, a, a sort of a wonderful home base that's added this thing to a town that we really enjoy. And it's been, it's been an experience. I think in, you know, we have 150 people from all over the world on this call. That's really cool. But none of us are in the same room together, right? Mm -hmm. And when you do stuff online, as you know, it's, it's wonderful to have this massive scale, this sort of infinite reach. Um, and, and I've, I've really enjoyed that over the years, but there's also, I think, something about being in person, having physical things that we really wanted to experience. And that's why we opened this little shop. It's called the Painted Porch, which is actually named after where Stoicism found, was, was founded, the Stoa Pohile in, in ancient Athens, which means the Painted Porch. And so, yeah, we've, we've opened this little shop and it's become a, a, you know, just a big part of, of our lives. It's sort of the thing that all of our, uh, you know, our routines and our days uh, are sort of centered around. It's been really wonderful. And that's what I loved about what you're doing, uh, because Main Street America has been slowly choked to death by Walmart and Amazon. Bookstores um, uh, are dying out. Some of my fondest memories um, of my younger years were hanging out at the Barnes and Nobles in Ann Arbor back when I was a college kid. And most of those bookstores have closed down right now, uh, thanks to Amazon. But uh, it's so nice that you're doing that. Yeah, that, that's right. And, and I think, you know, those of us who have large online platforms, you know, do you, it, it, it's great that you're, the people who work for you can be remote and everyone can travel and do all this awesome stuff. But I do feel like we have an obligation or at least we have an opportunity to take some of that success and funnel it back into a community that you live, that you live in. So instead of having a boring office in an office park somewhere or a, you know, a, a, a cubicle at a WeWork, I just wanted to, to spend that money, which I was going to have to spend anyway, into making something that was not only a, a more productive and, and peaceful place for me to do my work, but had ancillary benefits for other people. You know, I don't think this town, as wonderful as Bastrop is, I'm not sure it could support a bookstore under ordinary circumstances, or, or at least that would be a, a pretty big financial leap for someone to make. But for me, you know, as long as the bookstore doesn't lose large amounts of money, it's going to be successful, right? And, and, and because I, I can benefit from it in multiple ways. Now, it actually has turned out to be this wonderful little business and, and, and hasn't lost money. Uh, but, but when I went into it, our thinking was, we're not measuring this success based on how much profit we extract from it. We're measuring it based on how much it improves our lives and the lives of the community that we happen to be operating in. I love this. So basically, rather than get a traditional office, you decided to help revive Main Street by opening a bookstore. You have no desire, no need to make a profit from it. This bookstore is really your place of work, but anyone 
Anyone listening to this podcast who happens to find themselves in Bastrop, Texas, can walk into your bookstore, buy a book, and maybe even bump into you. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I, I sign people's books all the time. Uh, obviously, at some point, we'll have events, and, and I, I look forward to being able to draw people from all over the world into the town as well. Um, so that's all part of the plan. And obviously, again, the pandemic sort of forced us to to call an audible on some things. But, um, you know, I would be at a place every day anyway working. And I just figured, um, let, let's let's uh, let's have some double impact. Where that I is, as well. Ryan, that is such a crazy, epically cool idea. I wish everyone did that. There are so many so many of us out there who um who are now working from home, we, we have small businesses um, and um, we're paying and, and eventually we're going to be paying money for offices anyway. I love what you did. So so for those of you listening, didn't I tell you that what I respect about this man is his values? It's it's things he does like this, which are so, so often out of the ordinary that they get you thinking in new ways. Now, after you said that, Ryan, and I read the news about your best rock bookstore, I decided that um, I really want to do something like that. I'm not quite ready yet, but I love books. I love bookstores. I would love to have an office in a bookstore where I could just hang out, meet people, sign books. Uh, it's such a cool idea. Now, speaking of books, let's get on to um, uh, Courage is Calling. So firstly, what made you write this book? Well, I was actually, I was on a walk with my family and I was in the middle of finishing uh, my book, Stillness is the Key. And we were out for this walk and I was starting just to think about what I would do next. And I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I tend to find that it's when you're in the middle of doing something else, when you're deliberately not trying to think of an mm-hmm. idea, that ideas tend to pop into your head. Right. Um, and so th- this theme of courage being uh, you know, when I think about the things that I'm most proud of in my life or the things that have worked out best for me, they almost universally have some form of courage in them. Uh, so I was interested in the idea of courage. And then I remember talking to my wife about it. I said, you know, it would be really cool to do this book about courage. And then what she pointed out um, was that, uh, and I'd written about this before, but uh, for Stoicism, which is the philosophy I read about, courage is inseparable from the three other cardinal virtues of temperance, justice, and wisdom. And so the single idea of writing about this one thing that I was interested in that I felt I hadn't read, really read any good books about that I, that I wanted to have more of in my life actually sort of very quickly evolved into a series on what we call the cardinal virtues. Cardinal comes from the Latin word cardos, which means hinge. These are sort of pivotal uh, virtues that one um, should build a life around. And so the, the, the journey that I'm on now is first writing this courage book and then uh, it, it being the first in a, in a, in a four book series that I'm trying to do as, as one book a year now. So I'm in the middle of the second book. Um, but courage to me is the virtue from which all the other virtues depend on. Justice is impossible without courage. Self discipline, it demands courage. And then wisdom, of course, the search for knowledge and truth is, is perhaps the scariest thing that one can embark on in life. Amazing. So this is going to be the first of a series of books. That's right. And, and, and by the way, for everyone listening, Ryan has been at this for a while. One of his first books is called Trust Me, I'm Lying. I, I read that in 2012. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant book. He went on to write books called The Lives of the Stoics, Ego is the Enemy, The Obstacle is the Way, The Daily Stoic. I was just asking our live audience here, what are their favorite books? The Daily Stoic was coming up a lot. And, um, Check out Ryan Holiday Books. 
and you will see a full list of all of these folks. But today we're going to talk about courage is calling. And specifically, we're going to talk about the following, how to conquer your fears and practice courage by breaking down these three elements, fear, courage, heroism. Ryan? Yeah, so I think what prevents us from being courageous, right? What is the impediment to a more courageous life? It's fear, right? It's the reasons we have why it won't work, why it's too dangerous, why it's too costly, why we will be criticized for it. So I think when we think about courage, it begins with this sort of battle against fear, the battle against what other people think, the the battle against what we think, the battle against... um, you know, our limitations or our uh, risk tolerance. And then, of course, uh, courage is then the triumph over that fear, right? It's not that courageous people did not feel fear. It's that they pushed past it. They did it anyway. They found a way to win that fight. And then the third element in the book, I think we can all un- uh, admit that there's something beyond just doing something courageous for yourself. So the courage to live an unconventional life the courage to start your own business, you know, the courage to put out a, a creative work into the world. Obviously, that 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 requires the conquering of fear. Um, but it's not that it's selfish to do that. It's just that the courage of somebody who runs into a burning building to save someone else, the courage of someone who speaks out, who blows the whistle uh, against some injustice that they see in the world, you know, the courage of of the, the soldier who throws themselves on top of a grenade, you know, to save somebody's life. Um, this, this is what we would call heroism, right? It's beyond courage. It's when one is not just doing something brave in their own self-interest, but doing something that is entirely selfless or, or largely for the benefit of humanity or society. I love that. I love that. Now, this is an interesting time in the world to write about courage did you start this book before or in the middle of the pandemic? I I sold the book to my publisher in the fall of 2019. And then uh, I began to write it in June of 2020. So uh, a lot happened in those seven or eight months, right? right? I, you know, you, you sort of think, and, and this is, I think, why we need courage in the world is that you think things are stable and comfortable and clear. Um and then life tells you or reminds you just how little control you have over things, how quickly things can descend or devolve or change. And so my idea for writing a book about courage was, was probably more about just sort of the, the courage of, uh, of sort of everyday normal life. And then obviously writing it in the midst of a pandemic when we watch these sort of brave doctors and, and, and frontline workers doing so much when you watch um, even, uh, you know, the, the, the brave researchers and scientists whose breakthroughs are, are saving people's lives. And then you look even at, at brave politicians who had to make difficult decisions that were unpopular. Uh, I think it was a reminder, certainly, of the importance and the, the, the necessity of courage. And I think there were also some vivid reminders of the cost of, uh, of, of cowardice or a lack of courage. Um, and then, of course, you know, just having having young kids, uh, having a career and a life, um, you know, and watching uh, some of those plans, uh, some of those uh, things you take for granted suddenly disappear. You know, it was, a, it was just a reminder of, for me that, you know, I think we understate how much courage it takes just to wake up in the morning, 
right? Just to just to exist in a world in which people that you love are vulnerable, which bad things can happen, which when which good deeds can go punish. Um, and so it certainly informed the book, although it was it was obviously something I was thinking about before I started the book. So there are a couple of quotes from the book, which are so relevant to what we're going through today. I, I love this one. There is no room for fear, not with what we want to do anyway. This life we're living, this world we inhabit is a scary place. If you peer over the side of a narrow bridge, you can lose the heart to continue. You freeze up, you sit down, you don't make good decisions, you don't see or think clearly. The important thing is that we are not afraid. Yeah, there's a there's a Hebrew prayer that basically says, the world is a narrow bridge. Uh, the important thing is to not be afraid. M- meaning that, you know, as you're, if, if you've ever been in one of those sort of beautiful hikes and there's this tiny little rope bridge that you have to walk across on some gorge, right? How do you get across? You just have to book it across. If right. you stop and you think about it, if you peer over the edge, if you if you feel how the thing is shaking, uh, you know, you freeze up. And then you're ironically, you're stuck in exactly the place that's terrifying. And so I think so much of fear is about momentum. It's about movement. It's about forward motion. Uh, and it's about, I think, to a certain degree, not overthinking things, right? I think a lot of times we're afraid um, because we've thought too much about something as opposed to uh, not thinking enough about it, right? We've thought, uh, through every possible bad case scenario. And yet these bad scenarios also sort of, they're just vaguely looming over us. And so I think part of what stoicism is about, part of what I'm talking about in the book is just sort of getting moving, cutting things down to size and not being overwhelmed by them, not peering down over the side, not freezing up. You just got to keep going. And I think we felt that during the pandemic too. It's like, if you had asked someone in March, uh, of 2020, how they were going to get through this, uh, they probably would have uh, not had no idea. Uh, but how did they get through it? It was one day at a time. One day at a time, right? I, I think that's that's the key idea. So you said we can conquer fear, practice courage by breaking down into three elements, fear, courage, heroism. Um, if you could give us some wisdom right now, how do we apply these three, given everything that's happening in the world today and all the unknowns? Sure. So I think fear, as we said, is this sort of vague, uh, uh, you know, sort of ill-defined sort of worry or anxiety. So part part of what we uh, want to do is really think about what this thing that we're scared of is. Why is it, you know, you, you ask people why you don't want to do something and they'll say, well, I, I'm worried about what people will think. Well, what will they think? Why, why does it matter what they think? Right. Sort of actually breaking down what this thing is, I think, is really important. To me, courage is is often about just going, right? As we talked about, um, it's moving forward. It's doing what you were trained to do. I think one of the one of the things I love from the Stoics, they go, "How do you um, when, when you when you when you deal with adversity, you want to be able to say, this is what I trained for, right?' So you prepare for this. You live an active uh, 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 life of initiative. You know, there's that expression, "Do one thing every day that scares you." Mm-hmm. I love that because it's true, but but why is it true? It's because practicing the ability to do things that you're scared of, you build it like a muscle. And then I guess when we, when we think about heroism or we think about this sort of higher form of courage, what we're really talking about is, well, what is your why? Why are you doing these things? Who are you doing them for, right? If, if everything we do in this life is measured by its impact in terms of our dollars and cents, in terms of our reputation, 
we'll ultimately not do some of the courageous things that we need to do in this life. So like I think about this as a writer, my job as a writer is what? To say what I think needs to be said, and it's to make a positive difference in people's lives. That's what my uh, my sort of marching orders as a writer are. So obviously there are things that I feel like need to be said that I think will make a positive difference in people's lives that they don't always want to hear or that perhaps are not the most uh, financially lucrative things to say. Like, look, um, writing about an obscure school of ancient philosophy, which is what I've chosen to write about, um, has been immensely rewarding and exciting and fun. But I also understand as a marketer and as a as a regular human being that this is not everyone's cup of tea, that there are certainly more appealing or accessible things to write about. And I could do that and it would benefit me financially. But that's not why I feel like I was put on this planet. That's not why I decided to become a writer. I did, if, if I already chose this profession because it was a calling as opposed to, you know, um, uh, a way to get rich, well, then I need to let that guide my day to day decisions and, and say what I think is important, what I think is interesting, what I get excited about, not again, what I think is going to get the most clicks or retweets or, or likes or whatever. So when we think about heroism, again, it's not just giving your life for a cause. It's also just deciding sometimes not to value fame or money or uh, likability for what you think is important. Thank you. And, and you know what? I think by you focusing on stoicism, which you're right, it wasn't a well-known school of thought, but you've made it such a hot topic. I'm seeing people write in the comments, we need to bring a, a program on stoicism to Mind Valley. You've made it a hot topic and you've made yourself the, uh, the poster boy for that topic, which is brilliant. Actually. Well, I think that that's the funny thing is, is that the thing that was often scary or risky at the time mm -hmm. in retrospect becomes very obvious, right? So when I, when I sold my first book, uh, The Obstacle is the Way to, to my publisher, I said, hey, I want to do this book about, uh, about stoicism. They offered me half what I had gotten paid for my first book. So they basically did not believe in it. They thought it right. wasn't a, a particularly good idea. I mean, they supported me. But they were skeptical, right? As as they as they uh, likely should have been. It was a risky proposition, but because I feel like I did a good job, because I really thought about it, because luck and a bunch of other factors went into making it a success. Now it is a hot topic, and people um, all the time. I get emails: "Hey, I'm writing this book about stoicism. Will you provide a blurb?" Or you know, sometimes I hear about people getting advances for books about stoicism that were far more than I got for my first book about stoicism. Now. The, the, the important thing to note here is that almost certainly none of these people will have the success in the space that I had because part of success is about risk. And so if you go to what is safe, what is established, uh, what other people are doing, yes, it's not as risky, but there's also uh, likely to be less in the way of rewards. Um, Peter Thiel has this great line. He says, competition is for losers, uh, which I think is a great line. The idea being, you wanna go where there's no competition. You wanna go where there aren't other people doing what you're doing. So this is where courage comes in. That's scarier to do, like to be all alone in a space, to start a business, a website, a creative project, to go live in, in a place that not a lot of people live. That's a scary thing to do. 
But when you do it, you and it, and it turns out that you're right, or it turns out it was a good idea, the potential upside there is much greater. The impact you can have is much greater, right? And so uh, that that's just something I, I always try to think about is why are you doing what you're doing? What's motivating you? And, you know, what what kind of risks am I willing to take in pursuit of that thing? What I love about the um, the book is the stories that you share. There's a story of Florence Nightingale, which is so beautiful. A story of Martin Luther King. You even mentioned Peter Thiel. Tons of really amazing stories. And then towards the end of the book, um, I won't give it away, but towards the the end of the book, you mentioned your story um, when you were working at American Apparel and you helped in your role in the ouster of the infamous Dove Chani. Well, I, I wanted, you know, the way I tend to write my books is I try to illustrate the ideas in stories. Mm-hmm. Instead of just telling, the, the, the best rule in writing that I ever heard was uh, show, don't tell. So mm-hmm. you don't lecture people, you illustrate what you're talking about through stories. So I tend to illustrate through stories. That's how I learn. That's what gets me excited. So uh, the book is is stories, examples of courage in its many different forms, from the, the courage of Florence Nightingale, who not just Braves disease and warfare to, to revolutionize the, the concept of nursing, but as a as a as a rich uh, aristocrat in, in in London, her parents were ashamed, disgusted that she would pursue this sort of working life, right? And so the 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 the, the courage of Florence Nightingale was really the triumph over her parents' expectations, society's constrained gender roles at that time. It was it was the decision to go on a on a journey as a, as a human being and do something that that was just uh, everyone else was saying was a bad idea. Um, I look at the courage of Charles de Gaulle, right? The, the, uh, your country is overrun by the Nazis; it effectively ceases to exist, and you say, "No, I don't accept that." And from uh, from England, he, he he builds France back, leads the resistance, and and, and ultimately wills France back into the into the world power that it is today. Um, I talk about the 300 Spartans at Thermopylae as the example of heroism. You know, they go to fight uh, this this overwhelming invader, uh, an army of a million men with with roughly uh, uh, 300 elite Spartan fighters and then a few thousand support troops. But they go to this battle knowing for certain that they will not come home. And they do it because they know they're buying time uh, for their allies, right? So um, I, I, I try to illustrate things in stories like that. But I didn't want the effect of telling all these stories to make it seem like I'm somehow this heroic, brave person, because like everyone else, I, I struggle with this too. And so I wanted to tell a story where I felt like I hadn't been courageous enough in my own life. And so I tell a story of being asked to do something unethical when I was a director of marketing in American Apparel. Um, and and I'm not I'm not a perfect person. There's things that I I work I've worked on in my career that in retrospect I wish I hadn't done. Um, but I was asked to do something, and I said, you know, that that doesn't work for me. I I think that's a bad idea. I don't think that's uh, uh, the right thing to do. I think it may well be illegal. I'm not going to do that. Um, and and that was but that was as far as I was willing to take it. It still happened. Somebody he just had somebody else do it, right? And I remember feeling both as I sort of reflected on this feeling both proud of myself and then feeling both ashamed that I, that I hadn't taken it as far as I, as I should have done. I knew clearly I knew what was right, 
but I was afraid to take it as far um, as I should have. And why was that? Well, I was afraid of losing my job. And I think that's a thing that holds a lot of people back. So I wanted to tell this story um, to just, just first off to remind the reader, but, but also because uh, it was scary for me to write, I, I wanted to sort of show you know, something from my own life that's not one of the most, my, my proudest moment, but it's also a moment I've learned from and I feel like has made me better, more courageous day to day now going forward. Okay, so, so there's something about this book which, which makes me uncomfortable. Okay. And it's the timing of the book. All right. When I, when I read some of the quotes of the book taken out of context, I wonder if it may give people permission to think that they should stand up against vaccine mandates or, or, or avoid the vaccine or uh, go against um, public health policy. And as you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Sure. Do you think people could in- misinterpret the book? How do we differentiate true courage from a situation where we are actually misinformed and we are operating from a place of ignorance? No, it's, it's totally, it's totally right. And, and that's what I was going to say. Aristotle was talking about that exact issue 2,500 years ago. He says, look, courage has to exist on a spectrum because, because there's cowardice, right? That's mm-hmm. a, that's an absence of courage. But on the opposite end of cowardice is recklessness, right? And in the middle, that's where courage is, right? He says courage is a midpoint between recklessness or stupidity or selfishness or, or, or whatever, and, and then cowardice running away from problems, right? And so in the ancient world, courage wasn't simply just embracing risks. You know, I, I guess what I would say is courage is not driving around without a motorcycle helmet if a motorcycle helmet would save your life right so 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 when we talk about courage we don't just mean having no fear because there are some things that that are dangerous that we have to be aware of and so when we think about something like vaccines this is where the other virtues come into play so not being afraid of covid is good you shouldn't be afraid of a virus but there's a difference between being afraid of something and then being aware and understanding something. So uh, when the Stoics talk about self-discipline, when they talk about justice, when they talk about wisdom, this is where this all comes together. You have to understand what's going on. So like, let t- take something like uh, a vaccine. If you go, I'm not afraid of death. I'm healthy. What do I care if I get COVID? Um, I guess that, 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 that's okay, except, um, the average person who gets COVID infects between like five and 10 other people. So who are you to go around giving a virus to other people that they don't want to get that could be deadly or, or, uh, very painful to them? So it's an injustice not to, 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 let's say, get vaccinated or to take the COVID protocol seriously. But then also let's talk about wisdom. Right. How many of the people who are resistant to these protocols for the vaccines are doing so because they're, they've been fundamentally misinformed or misled? Right. Um, and we see this, you know, in, in the U.S. almost every day, there's a story about some anti-vaxxer who was an anti-vax activist who is now in the hospital or dying of COVID. And their last words are trying to inform people about what a mistake they made. So. So when we talk about virtue, uh, courage isn't simply 
uh, just doing a dangerous thing and not being afraid. Courage is doing the right thing without fear. And I think we can say very clearly, given that Marcus Aurelius was the emperor of Rome during the Antonine Plague, and he watched millions of people perish to this terrible disease, and he himself may well have died of it, that he would have said, as a believer in protecting the common good and doing the right thing for the innocent and the vulnerable, that he would have taken this very seriously, uh, and he would have cared a lot about how his actions affect other people. I'm young. I'm healthy. I don't have any pre-existing conditions. That's not why I've decided to get vaccinated, to have my children be vaccinated, to try to take COVID seriously with my employees at my bookstore and my office. Um, it's because I don't want to negatively impact other people. I would feel terrible if in any way a choice that I took negatively impacted or worse killed somebody else. That's I don't want that on my conscience. And I feel like we have an obligation as human beings to try to come together and solve problems like this. Absolutely, Ryan. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, I'm seeing in the comments, people are saying, well, vaccinated people can spread the virus as well. Yes. Which is true. Which is true. Which is true. But here's the data. According to the Cleveland Clinic, if you are vaccinated, you carry 40% less viral load, 60% less virus in your throat, and you have you, you, are, you are carrying the virus three days less. So you spread it less. Viral spread is a mathematical function. Governments and good policymakers can predict the rate of spread. Vaccination and mask reduce the rate of spread. Masks, for example, reduce spread by about 50. You're also less likely to get it at all. Yeah. So less likely to get it if you're less likely to get it. Right. And then you can't spread what you didn't get. Right. And so exactly. uh, And 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 the other thing, just just to the people commenting, the other thing is you're less likely to end up in hospital. And a big reason for this this public policy is not to punish anyone, it's to prevent hospital being hospitals being overloaded, because that can cause massive, massive, massive issues in the healthcare system. I think that's that's totally right. And and again, the Stoics talk about this idea of the common good. 80 times in meditations, Marcus Aurelius refers to the common good. What are op- he says, what's bad for the hive is bad for the bee, right? What's bad for other people, what's bad for the world is bad for you in the long run. It might not feel that way, but it is. And so, yes, when we think, don't even not even just like, hey, uh, by overrunning the hospitals, this cancer patient isn't able to get the treatment they want. Just think about these nurses and doctors who have been working day after day for the last two years, seeing unending amounts of death and suffering, who have had to put their own families at risk. Um, A tiny thing you can do that is free alleviates some of that suffering and pain for them. And that in itself to me is sufficient. And, And look, if you're scared, if you don't like needles, if you're worried about uh, the side effects. I, I stipulate all that is legitimate, but that's what courage is about. I think about my grandfather. My grandfather uh, landed at D-Day in the Second World War. Nobody guaranteed to him that he would come home. Nobody guaranteed to him that that would stop the Nazis. No one guaranteed to him anything, but he signed up and he did it anyway right. because he believed he had an obligation not just to the, 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 the innocent people in Europe, not just to protect people at home, but to future generations as well. I likely wouldn't be here yeah. if he hadn't done that. And, and, and so 
we think about if you see yourself as a patriotic person, if you see yourself as a as a caring person, as a giving person, a generous person, there's a very small thing that you can do that collectively has a very small impact uh, that, that sorry, individually has a small impact, but collectively has an enormous impact that makes the world a better and safer place. Absolutely, Ryan. Thank you for sharing it so much from a from a philosophical point of view. Um, just to stay on this topic for two extra minutes, because I'm seeing some comments. Uh, I'm, I'm a computer scientist, so I, I share things from a data point of view. In September 17 this year, um, I was tracking the data, and my country, Estonia, had hit 50% vaccination rate. One week later, sorry, it was September 10. One week later, September 17, after hitting 50% vaccination rate, 75% of the patients in hospital were unvaccinated. 25% were vaccinated. So we know for sure that if you're vaccinated, you're less likely to end up in hospital. Now, the other thing is I'm seeing people say, oh, um, that people may die from the vaccine. It is true. If you go to the VAERS database, you will see close to 10,000 reported deaths. However, half of those are car accidents and the other half coincidental. Every single day in America during the peak of vaccination, if you actually do the math and you understand statistics and probability, 38 people who get vaccinated die the same day they get vaccinated. I kid you not, but it is not the vaccine. It is just statistical probability. They would have died anyway. It's because there are 209 million adults over 18 in the United States. So um, I'm getting my, my booster shot tomorrow. Um, I've never had COVID. And it is very important that we understand the difference between a known known and a known unknown. Nobody has to get vaccinated. You're right. We need 90% of the world vaccinated to bring an end to this pandemic, right? And if you don't want to, it's okay. You can be in that 10%. It's not an issue. But the main thing is what we are seeing today is that in, in, a, in a significant amount of people, 40%, according to a famous Italian study, you're getting long-term COVID. A study emerging today showed that if you get COVID, your, your odds of dying this year go up 233% um, from your, your average rate of dying, which, um, to give you an idea, for an 86-year-old is 18% per year. Um, so COVID, COVID, long-term COVID is a serious issue. It's, it plagues a lot of people. It's not worth it. Vaccination has proven to be safer than we ever imagined. And it's cheap. It's effective. It is free. Please get vaccinated. I think that, that you said it better than I could. I'll, I'll leave it there. Okay. So Ryan, do you now going back to what's happening right now? I, I love the spectrum, the, the spectrum by Aristotle. Um, and, and by the way, the reason I wanted to bring in this, this vaccination topic is because I think it's important and I would love your permission to share this little conversation we had on our sure. Instagram. Okay. Please. And the reason I wanted, I want to tell you that is because your book changed me in a fundamental way until today. Until today, until this podcast, I've never openly spoken out on my on on what I believe about vaccination and how I feel the anti-vax movement are good people and they have a right to their belief, but I believe it is dangerous. I've never spoken out because I didn't have the courage because I know there are people in my audience who would disagree and I just didn't want to rock the boat. And I have friends who build their Instagram profiles and are getting a huge amount of attention by spreading anti-vaccine hype. Um, and I know why they do it. They firstly, they firmly believe it. They get tons of engagement on their posts when they come up with another theory and why the vaccine or the pen or the, or the mandates are, are, are conspiracy. And I just didn't want to tarnish my friendships. And so I stayed silent. 
Um, and after reading your book today, I felt more comfortable speaking what I truly believe. So thank you for that. Well, that means that means a lot to me. And and I think, you know, obviously we live in a time of sort of internet activism, which can seem very meaningless and people call this virtue signaling and so on and so forth. And there is a certain amount of that. But take take an issue like vaccines, which uh, almost universally agreed upon in the medical community, like 96% of doctors or more have been vaccinated. Um, as you said, overwhelmingly, the people dying or in the hospital are, are unvaccinated. It, it's almost impossible to disagree with at this point. But um, let's say 15 to 30% of the population is hesitant or has been radicalized or is in opposition to, to this idea. Very few creators want to speak about something that's going to piss off 30% of their audience. Right. And so this this goes to what we were talking about earlier. When we talk about courage, um, it means doing what you think the right thing to do is, regardless of what the consequences are and doing and and, and doing something that you think makes other people better or safer. Right. So when you talk about Kyrie Irving, the basketball player who's, who's losing tens of millions of dollars by not getting vaccinated. Sure, that's a principle that he's operating under. But the primary beneficiary of that principle is himself, right? Like he he doesn't want to get vaccinated, so he's not doing it and he's willing to pay for that. But when we think about speaking up, saying something that you think might be unpopular, uh, but you know that it needs to be said and you think it can make a positive difference, that matters. Like the fact that I, I, I find it very meaningful and, and, and rewarding to know that I wrote something that then is going to motivate you to speak about something on your platform. And what I think will happen is you speaking about it on your platform will inspire other creators, people in your network to hopefully do the same. And so when we, there's this great expression, uh, it's attributed to Andrew Jackson, but he likely didn't say it, but it's that one person with courage makes a majority, meaning that, uh, you start alone with something. It feels lonely. It feels scary. It feels risky. But when you step forward, you inspire other people to step forward as well. And in this, you create a coalition, you create change, you create momentum, you create wow. progress. And so if everyone is afraid to speak up about something, then what needs to be said doesn't get said. You're right. And, and in the case of this pandemic, what you, what, what you just referenced, one person speaking up and everyone following, the opposite happened. Of course, a few people, a few anti-vaxxers came out, they got a ton of attention, and then other people started going anti-vax. But very few people like you and me spoke up. I mean, you did eventually. Um, I just did, but very few people like you and me spoke up because we we believed in the vaccine. We 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 trust that global governments all around the world are collaborating with the world's leading scientists to put an end to this ridiculous situation. But very few people I know who are believers in the vaccine. Um, who trust science spoke up because they didn't want to lose that 30% of their followers. One of, one of my favorite quotes from Marcus Aurelius, which it really hit me during the pandemic that he had written during the Antonine Plague. He says, look, there's two kinds of plagues. He says, there's the one that destroys your life. That, that would be in this case, COVID uh, or smallpox or the Black Death or any of the, the, there's the plague that can kill you. And then he's mm-hmm. like, there's the plague that can, can destroy your character that can infect you in a different way. And I'm sure you, you, you have people in your life that, it, that, that you might classify this way. I, I get all sorts of angry emails or, or letters uh, about it even. Um, and you, you talk to a, a person who's been 
misinformed or radicalized or, or, or sort of gone off the deep end with some conspiracy stuff. And you get the sense that, oh, they, they just it's they caught an idea virus uh, because someone put something out in the world. It got in their brain and it's warped and affected how they think about things. And so uh, we all, I, I'm very cognizant of that. And, and to me, that creates the obligation uh, to speak out about things that are important or true because you want to get it. Go- you, you want the other virus to get out in the world, the positive virus, the virus that says, what are our obligations to our fellow human human beings? What does the data say? Right. Um, how can we alleviate the the the, the overwhelming, uh, uh, you know, uh, load on, on hospitals or the medical system? You know, how, how can we make a positive difference? And if that's the virus that we all catch, not only do we solve this problem, but we solve other problems that are bearing down on humanity from climate change, to income inequality, to, 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 you know, uh, to, 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 to civil wars and, 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 and unnecessary conflicts. So we have to think about how, uh, we can spread positive messages that make the world better through our platforms. We shouldn't just use our platforms to make money or to help, like, I think about this. Look, stoicism is a wonderful philosophy that will make you more productive, that will make you happier, that will make you uh, uh, more resilient. It will make you a better individual. And I could spend all day just writing about and talking about that. And hey, as it happens, those are the things that are probably best for book right. sales or course sales or social media followers and shares. But stoicism is also a philosophy with an ethical framework. With a, as we talked about, with a with a set of responsibilities to the common good, and so I have to make sure that I'm putting that out in the world as well, because that's what ultimately makes a bigger difference. If if the if success for Mind Valley was that it made everyone richer and more successful, but also more selfish and entitled, or uh, you know, conspiratorial or whatever. That's not success. You're not going to look back at the end of your life and be like, oh, I won. You're going to feel like something went wrong. But if you feel like the the business and the community that you built was a positive difference maker in the world, that's going to mean so much more to you than any financial uh, success ever could. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and I'm glad you said that. Um, success to Mind Valley is about getting our content out to as wide an audience as possible but also staying conscious and true about the information we put out. I loved how in one of your writing, you criticized social media platforms saying they could be shutting down a lot of these conspiracies, these dangerous conspiracies, which are affecting people's health, but they don't because they know that it creates eyeballs similar to how engagement. Um, so, so yeah, thank you for sharing that so much to think about from this interview, man. Ryan, we, we got to get you back for a longer, for a longer podcast. Now, I promised there's going to be a couple of uh, audience questions. Yeah. I'm going to bring up um, some of the questions. Okay, so let's, let's look at this, this question. It's from Rajat. Rajat, I'm going to paraphrase the question a bit. Okay, Ryan, how do you find courage to stand up against a family member, a family member who is forcing you to live or operate in a certain way? Well, one of the, the most powerful stoic practices is the idea of memento mori, that life is very short, that you could go at any moment. And, and when I think about people who want you to be or act a certain way, and we give up years of our life placating them or trying to please them, I really try to remind myself of the cost. 
Uh, Florence Nightingale, for instance, spent 16 years trying to live as her parents wanted her to live um, and eventually realized that that was impossible, that these people were never going to be happy or pleased, that they were never going to give her what she deserved. And this is why she decides to break and pursue her calling and make a a positive difference in the world. And and we should think about, uh, obviously, she's a heroic, uh, uh, wonderful uh, woman who, who did so much for the world. But we should also think about what those 16 years cost humanity. Like what if she'd been able to pursue this earlier? So when we, when we listen to what other people want, when, when, we, when we let them sort of bully us into, you know, our punches or tucking our feathers in or whatever expression you want to use, we should think not just what it's costing us in terms of time in our life that we can never get back, but we should think about what we might be depriving the world of, what kind of difference we might be able to make if we decided to pursue or do that thing that uh, they're so afraid of us doing. I love that. Thank you, Ryan. So with that, we bring an end to this podcast. And I want to remind you of where you can check out Ryan's books. Firstly, check out his author page on Amazon. And the book that we're talking about here is called Courage is Calling, Fortune Favors the Brave. As I said, Amazon just declared this the best leadership book of of 2021. So go check it out and uh, follow Ryan Holiday, R-Y-A-N Holiday on Instagram. Ryan, thank you for being with us. This was so fun. I'm so glad we got to do it. And I hope to see you at the Painted Porch one day. Absolutely. Can't wait to visit. And we hope to see you on Mind Valley one day. You got it. I'm Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body, your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.